Hey, what's going on, everybody? Brendan Schaefer back with a Saturday edition of B-Shape Daily as the Cardinals still in this thing. Two games to go against the Milwaukee Brewers. TBD on whether they have any regular season games after that, potentially games against Detroit on Monday. Uh, we had been talking about it as though it was guaranteed they would travel to Detroit. Then there was a question asked of Mike Schilt yesterday trying to confirm that if the games were played, would they would they take place in Detroit? Because previously there was some talk, some just common sense idea that if the Tigers are playing in Kansas City and the Cardinals are home, wouldn't it make more sense to just play that that series, that doubleheader in St. Louis if it's necessary to happen, especially since there are no fans. You know, you can still have Detroit be the home team. We saw that yesterday in one of the games of the doubleheader between the Cardinals and Brewers. And so you could you could go about it that way. And Mike Schultz said he didn't even want to talk about it, didn't want to think about it. And so he didn't really give an answer to the question. So not sure where those games would be played if they do take place. But at any rate, the Cardinals getting a split against the Brewers on Friday, losing the first game, winning the second game in convincing fashion. Kind of the typical Cardinal way of 2020 which is score not very many runs, if any at all, and then score a bunch and have pretty good pitching both times. That's kind of what the Cardinals were yesterday, as in Game 1, they lost to the Brewers, got shut out, didn't get any runs, despite a, a solid pitching performance. Um, it, you know, Not the, the best day of Jack Flaherty's career, but he got it through five innings, three earned runs, and then the bullpen picked it up for the final couple of innings. Uh, you did lose John Gant to another recurrence of his groin injury. He goes on the injured list, and Mike Schultz did say he thinks he's got some baseball left in him this year. It's just a deal where they've they've got to give it some time. And I think they've been battling this all year with John Gant. This incident of the groin strain that he's dealing with is, I guess you could say, the third time he's dealt with it, but really it's been kind of on and off and maybe has never been completely and totally solved all season, which is why you keep seeing it happen over and over again for him. There have been two times now where the Cardinals didn't put him on the injured list. They just stayed away from him for a number of days, and fans didn't even really know this was going on. I'm pretty sure one of those times was, if you think back to the game that took place at Bush Stadium where uh, it was the uh, Matt Davidson game where Matt Davidson homered off of Tyler Webb, a guy who, you know, left-handed pitcher. Davidson had been crushing lefties in a small sample this season, and Mike Schultz didn't use Gallegos, didn't use Gant for that spot, and the Cardinals lost the game to the Reds. And people were saying, what the heck's going on? Well, it's it's likely that that was one of the moments where uh, during the season where Gant was dealing with this strain, with this groin you know, situation, and they weren't able to use him. And we didn't know it at the time. Then it happened again last week where they just tried to stay away from him. Mike Schultz said that Gant said he was ready to go yesterday. He could be used. They tried it. It obviously didn't work out. He, he, it didn't feel right, and so they took him out of the game after he allowed a hit, and that was it. And then he goes on the injured list. And so uh, for Gant, if they make the playoffs, if they make a deep run, you might see him back, but they're going to obviously now stay away from him for 10 days with him going on the IL. But Helsley looked pretty solid. Breaking ball looked good last night, or yesterday afternoon, I should say. He struck out a couple, and then Ty Webb comes on to – uh, finish that game, but Cardinals didn't get any runs, so unable to get anything going in game one against the Brewers, and the Brewers have the ability to shorten games. When you've got Devin Williams and Josh Hader coming out of the bullpen, Brent Suter went four innings. He's a guy that has been going kind of three as a spot starter mostly for Milwaukee, but he looked good against St. Louis yesterday. They got him through four, and from there, you, you kind of knew what was going to happen. Devin Williams, Josh Hader, done. That's, you know, lock it in. Cardinals did get a few hits off those guys, but 
didn't advance anybody beyond second base. Goldschmidt had that double in the seventh, and they they couldn't advance him at all. And so that was, he might have been the only, if if not one of the few guys to actually reach second base yesterday in game one for the Cardinals. So offensive woes continue until they don't because that's kind of what the Cardinals have been. As I mentioned, they're on again, off again. Game two, Daniel Ponce de Leon once again was my guy coming into the year, and I can sit here and brag about him once again on this episode of B-Shape Daily. He was great. Finally got off the snide too, getting his first career win, major league win, as a, as a starting pitcher, was able to get it done in six innings yesterday. Gave up just one run, one hit. Had a no-hitter going until the sixth inning. Uh, of course, it wouldn't have counted as a no-hitter because of it being a seven-inning game. Seven-inning game counts as a complete game, but not as an official no-hitter uh, in this shortened uh, COVID-related season. And so uh, another great outing, though. It's three in a row now for Ponce. Had six strikeouts. That's kind of his game. Only a couple of walks. Cody Whitley got back into action uh, throwing, uh, throwing a scoreless uh, seventh inning. And so by that point, game was out of hand. Loved what you saw from the offense in that game, too. Uh, hits up and down the lineup. Matt Carpenter uh, got things going. Tommy Edmond got things going. Colton Wong with a couple of hits. And you get another double with a couple of RBIs from Dylan Carlson. So you love to see the young kid staying hot for the Cardinals, able to continue to contribute as he's had uh, a lot of success for St. Louis since rejoining the team on September 18th. Had a couple of weeks where he was down at the alternate site. Since he's returned, though, batting average 345, OBP 394, slugging 759 with a pair of homers and 11 RBIs. That's the guy the Cardinals thought Dylan Carlson would be when they when they brought him up. He's raised his season-long OPS from 458 to 656. It's not 656 is still not great overall numbers, but I think you're going to see Dylan Carlson. Maybe he's not going to be this guy. This guy is MVP caliber, the guy he's been for the last couple of weeks. But you're going to see a lot closer to this version, I think, of Dylan Carlson than the version he was uh, before he was sent down to the alternate site. And I, I think that was maybe just what Carlson needed. It's been a, a wild season, and they kind of threw him into the fire. He looked good early but was hitting into some bad luck, and then I think you start to press a little bit. And then it was just some time is what he needed to kind of get back to, to basics, get back to an environment where he could focus on his game, reset a little bit, and he's come back looking like a different player, looking like the top prospect in the Cardinals organization that he that he has been and that he's been discussed as over the last few years. So love to see that from Carlson and the Cardinals. Getting one of two yesterday, where does that put them in the playoff hunt? Well, with two days to go for everybody's regular season, except for maybe the Cardinals who might have to play on Monday, Cardinals are 29-27, and 27, basically tied with the Reds who have played two more games. And the Reds actually have clinched a spot in the playoffs, whereas the Cardinals have not, even though by percentage points the Cardinals are technically ahead because uh, while both teams are two games above 500, a 1-1 one one would, would keep the Cardinals two games above 500. And then they would have the same record as the Reds. Right now they haven't played as many games, and so their winning percentage just a tick higher. So what do the Cardinals need to do, though, to get to where the Reds are, which is a guaranteed berth into the postseason? Well, it's actually pretty simple. Beat the Brewers once, and you're going to make the playoffs. And I can break it down for you. It's a little bit complicated, but here's the reasoning behind that. One of the tiebreakers when it comes down to all this is record within the division. And by beating the Brewers one more time, the Cardinals would end up with 22 wins in their division, 22 and 18. The Phillies, even if they win out, 
as of right now, let's say the Reds do end up passing the Cardinals for second in the Central. So now St. Louis has to get one of those two remaining wildcard spots. So you start looking at the third place teams and where they're at. The Phillies are third in the East at 28 and 30. Let's say Philadelphia wins out their next two games this weekend, which they play the Rays, so they're already done with their divisional record. Their divisional record is 21 and 19. And so if the Cardinals get one more against the Brewers to get to 30 wins, they could conceivably lose the other game against the Brewers. And even if they were forced to play Detroit and lost both those games, it wouldn't matter. Cardinals would have a tiebreaker over the Phillies at 30 and 30. And so if that's the case, if like Philly is the only team that could potentially catch the Cardinals, they won't end up having to play those games against Detroit, I wouldn't think, because the Cardinals, by the virtue of the tiebreaker, would already have it over Philly before those games are even played and lost. So at 30 and 28 versus the the Phillies 30 and 30, the Cardinals would, would still have already beaten Philly as long as St. Louis gets one Saturday or Sunday. You with me so far? So forget about Philly now. Remember, you got two wild card spots. Reds are going to win out, let's just assume, because we're talking worst-case scenario right now. Reds are going to win out. They pass the Cardinals. They're going to get second in the Central. All right, now you've got to make sure you're one of the two wild cards. In the East, nobody could beat the Cardinals as long as you win one against Milwaukee because the Cardinals would get to 22-18 and 18 in their division. Phillies would be 21-19 and 19 in their division. Both teams with 30 wins. Cardinals could lose the other three games. Wouldn't matter. They'd have the tiebreaker. The Mets have already lost 31, so they're out of it too. So nobody else in the East could pass the Cardinals if they beat Milwaukee once. In the West, you've got the Giants in third place at 29 and 29. Giants could win out and and be ahead of the Cardinals, but there's nobody else. There's no other team. As long as you deal loss number 31 to the Brewers, that could pass the Cardinals for the final wildcard spot. So beat the Brewers, and you are in period the end. That's it. Guarantees you at least the eight seed, right? Which if you were the eight seed, you're playing the Dodgers, probably not ideal. So let's talk about what else could happen. You beat the Brewers once, you're in. The Giants could lose twice, and you'd be then the seventh seed, potentially. Even at, Now, here's what I'm not 100% sure on. If the Cardinals are 30-28, and 28, they beat the Brewers once, and the Giants are 31-29, and 29, would the Cardinals then have to play those two against Detroit to determine whether they're the seventh or eighth seed? Right, because based on winning percentage at 30 and 28, Cardinals would technically be above the Giants at 31 and 29 by just percentage points. Both teams two games above 500, but the Cardinals having played two fewer games would narrowly edge the Giants out there. I don't know the answer to whether or not they'd then have to play Detroit. There are people out there who will tell you they know they might, but the fact that Mike Schilt didn't even seem to know or care tells me that maybe it's not set in stone. Somewhere, I'm sure somebody knows. It's not me, and I, I don't mind telling you what I don't know something. But basically, the seventh seed conceivably would still be in play for the Cardinals. That would put them against the Braves, more likely than not. Uh, because I think the Braves probably already have the divisional tiebreaker over the Cubs as far as if the Cubs win out, Braves lose out. Both would be at 35 wins. I still think the Braves would have locked in the two seed. Let's talk about some other scenarios. Reds start losing. Cardinals end up in second in the Central. That's probably going to put them as the five seed, more likely than not. The Padres are locked into the four seed as the best-ranked number two in a division. So it would be the Padres as the four seed. Five seed Cardinals would end up playing them. It's very unlikely that the Cardinals would end up getting second in the Central without doing moderately well in these games. And then the Marlins passing them. Like, the Marlins would have to win two. They're currently 30-28. and 
let's say the Cardinals, based on everything we're talking about, are 30 and 28 by the end of Sunday, but the Marlins had won out 32 and 28. And if the Cardinals were then made to play Detroit and split with them to get to 31 wins, the Marlins would actually be the five seed. Cardinals would be the six, and they would play the Cubs in the first round. So still a lot of possibilities for who you got to play, but I think it boils down to the main point of all of this. Win one against the Brewers, and you're in the playoffs. That's what every Cardinals fan should be thinking today on Saturday as they go into, into that game. Because if you lose Saturday, that's when things can get dicey because you're, you're, you're just inviting potential chaos. Because by losing twice to the Brewers, that makes things a whole lot more difficult. Because at that point, the Brewers will have reached a tie with you as well. The Brewers would be at 500. They wouldn't have a better divisional record than you, which is important because the Cardinals would have the tiebreaker. But that would mean going into Detroit, the Cardinals would have to win at least one of those games if they lose the next two. And that's just to guarantee they beat the Brewers. You would still potentially then have the Phillies in play because the Cardinals, if the Phillies were to win out, they'd have the same divisional record as Philadelphia. And so it goes to a different tiebreaker, which is most recent divisional games, which the Cardinals might have that tiebreaker, so that might be okay. But you would still you'd still be in a little bit of a danger zone because you'd have to win one of those games to make sure you get around Milwaukee. Because it almost doesn't matter what the tiebreaker with the Phillies is if Milwaukee's ahead of you and San Francisco's ahead of you which could happen if the Cardinals lose both to the Brewers Saturday and Sunday. So what do they need to do? They need to win, and they've got the right guy on the mound to do it. It's Adam Wainwright, and boy, oh boy, do I not want to think about this potentially being Adam Wainwright's last start as a Cardinal. Adam Wainwright doesn't really want to think about it either. They, you know, He was asked about it yesterday and said he hasn't really gotten emotional about the idea of it yet. Maybe that's because it's not his last year. Maybe that's because you know, he's just too focused on on the moment and, you know, just doesn't, doesn't want to get into that mentally, but he said he's thought about it. Like he's talked more about in the last, you know, couple of weeks about the idea of this could be the end than he has at any other time in his career. Like he, he's said a lot dating back to the year that he was injured and then came back in September. I guess that would have been 2018 where he said he thought he was done, but that was all after the fact, like that was all once he, we knew he had returned he talked in retrospect about thinking back then, back during his injured 2018 season, that he was done. But, like, in the moment, Wainwright has not ever really talked about this potentially being the end. And I'm interested kind of in the mindset of of how he's just been. I'm not saying he's, like, reminiscing at any point, but you definitely you definitely hear the little you know, the little mentions of, yeah, really glad that Yachty got hit number 2000 in a Cardinal uniform. Would have hate to have seen that come somewhere else. Like that's just not something that was even like talked about before this year, but it's almost like a, a you know, a conjoined effort between Yachty and, and Wainwright to just be candid about the situation. Like neither of us are signed. And so like, you never know what's going to happen. I don't think there's any ill will toward the Cardinals necessarily about that, but it's just facts that neither are signed right now. And the season's almost over. So you tell me. From a pitching perspective, absolutely, I want Wayne right back, and I want them to give him a real contract for next season. Like, forget this incentive-laden crap. <laughs> no, You know, I, not to be disrespectful, but 20, 2019 totally understood why they went with the incentives that they did because in 18 and 17 and 16, Wayno was not really Wayno. You know, he, was, he, just, he just wasn't quite the guy we had seen before. 
especially in 2018 when he only started eight games because of injury. And so I got it then, and he performed pretty well in 2019 to where he got another another deal. But he's looked really good this year. He's looked like vintage Wainwright this year, finding ways to get guys out. ERA of 3.05, 5-2 record. If he goes out there and clinches you into the postseason again today, give him the money, man. Give him the contract. Bring him back for next year. Probably not going to come back, though, unless Yachty does too, and that's kind of a difficult thing because I don't know that Yachty or Molina is still worth $20 million a year to the Cardinals, and that's what he had on his last deal. As a veteran player like him, I with with probably some leverage to be able to go somewhere else and say, you know, I, I think there are teams out there. If I tested the market, I, I might ace that test. Cardinals got to be careful, man. I, I, I know you got Andrew Kisner, and I think Andrew Kisner would do a fine job if it came down to that. But Mike Schilt and the Cardinals talk a lot about residual impact. And I, I think they're believers that Yadier Molina has a lot of that. And with Yachty comes Wainwright, and Wainwright's pitching at a high level still. So if I'm the Cardinals, I find a way to bring them both back. I mean, I know COVID's gonna gonna make things difficult on the budget. And if I'm a Cardinals fan, I don't necessarily I'm not holding my breath this offseason for big time money to be spent fixing the offense. As frustrating as that might be, Cardinals are still, I believe, leading the division in in OPS plus. Is what I heard. I'd have to go back and look at that. But as you know, again, Central Division not very strong offensively this year, and so for the, to say the Cardinals are among the leaders or in the lead, in the lead in some of those offensive categories doesn't really speak a whole lot because people that have watched them day in and day out know that there have been some frustrating ups and downs. You've had nine run games and you've had none run games, rather than a bunch of four and five run games, because if you score four and five in a day, like if you're to break your nine runs down that way, you you win both those games. Four to three, and then five to one, or vice versa. But instead, the Cardinals—they don't seem to do that. They score them in bunches, or they don't score them at all. And so, consistency has been the problem for this offense. I, and you hate to—you know—you look at the names in the lineup, and I think, well, yeah, that's a guy that they count on. That's a core player. He's got to be able to get the job done. But then, time after time, as a group, they don't get the job done, and then they do. They all do, all at the same time. And so, for the fact that this is a team that prides itself on striving for consistency offensively. They just have not hit the mark. But I don't know how you necessarily fix that because you see it in some games and not in others. And so it's like, are the players the problem here? And I'm not a guy that subscribes to blame the hitting coach when things go wrong necessarily. But it's been a little bit eerie since Jeff Albert came in that the type of offense that they've preached Jeff Albert was going to bring, it's been kind of the virtual opposite of that consistent plate approach get you know get things streamlined and and you know not necessarily crazy launch angle sell out for the home run you know we want to be able to put up crooked numbers by taking good at bats and being consistent and 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 working counts working opposing pitchers scoring multiple innings They, they just haven't been that kind of team on a consistent enough basis and so, I, I, again, I'm not a guy that blames hitting coach because I think the, the players have got to be able to find a way to do their job. But on the other hand, at some point as a coaching staff, you've got to install the system that you were supposed to install and then find the results within that. So it's kind of my long-winded way of getting into the conversation of offensively, I don't know how many major moves are coming this offseason for the Cardinals. And I think whether people say COVID will be used as an excuse or it will be used as 
you know, to justify the inaction. Maybe, maybe, maybe they will make some moves. I don't know, but I just have a feeling that it's going to be difficult. The landscape is going to be difficult for them to do so. But if that's the way they're going to approach things and, and they're going to have to skimp and save to be effective with the way they spend their money, I think it would be an effective choice to bring back Adam Wainwright and depending on what his ask is to bring back Yadier Molina. I know he wants two years. If he's willing to take a, a salary reduction off of what he was just making, then I think that's okay. It's something that I would strongly consider, especially if it means I can get Wainwright back as well. But there's only going to be so many resources I think that the Cardinals are willing to spend this offseason and it's an uncomfortable thing to think about not allocating some of those to Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright and so I would say Saturday enjoy this outing you never know when it might be the last one hopefully that's not the case and maybe you're a Cardinal fan out there who doesn't feel that way who feels look I love Yadier Molina but I think the Cardinals can spend more effectively, and I'd like to see what Andrew Kisner has. I know there are some people out there that may feel that way. Uh, more power to you. I, I I think everybody can have their own opinions on this. Personally, as someone who enjoys watching Adam Wainwright and, and enjoys the idea of the legacy that Yadier Molina as a career Cardinal would bring, I think that's important as well. And it's something that Bill DeWitt, I know, values as well. And we've he's talked about that within the context of guys like Molina. And so if you've got that Wainwright-Molina battery, you can't let them go somewhere else to finish their career. That would not be a good look for the Cardinals. And if that means you sacrifice a couple of wins, or as you go in, you consider that it could force you to make such a decision, like, hey, we could spend this money here, or we could try to go sign a bat. Bat's no guarantee to perform either. But if we think the bat's a bigger need because we've got pitching depth and we've got this young catcher, you know, even if we do this, signing Adam and signing Yachty back, knowing that it means we're not going to upgrade the outfield or whatever position you'd think you could upgrade instead, that might be a greater need. And if our projections tell us we're going to lose three fewer games or five fewer games because of it, it might sound crazy to, uh, uh, you know, from the perspective of win games, that's goal number one. But I would say I, I'd still consider it. Even if they're, even if you were to look and say, hey, the Cardinals are going to win fewer games, what do you think? And again, I'm not, you know, I'm a different role now. I'm I'm in the in the writer's seat instead of uh, as the the diehard fan that I would have grown up as. But that that diehard fan, you know, of my childhood that grew up watching Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, he's still in there somewhere to say, hey, I would like to see these guys finish their career out as Cardinals. I think that would be special. I think that's important to, and you can you know you can make fun or whatever you want as far as people talking about the Cardinal way. But I think that's the Cardinal way. I think the part of the Cardinal way is keeping your guys, your stars, your faces of the organization, the guys that are going to be in red jackets someday. I think it's important to keep those guys in the Cardinal family for life when you have the chance. And so this is going to be something we talk about a lot this offseason, unless something gets resolved early in the process. But I'm talking about it more today than I, than I would normally because of the fact that it's Yachty behind the plate and it's Wainwright on the mound on Saturday facing the Brewers and you may not see that again in the regular season another aspect that I'm gonna and then I'm gonna get off the the topic for sure but no fans in the stands for this season that can't be the way this ends that that cannot be the way this ends for Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright in St. Louis uh, unless the two decide to retire which I don't get the sense that's gonna happen for either of them so 
we'll wait and see what happens, but enjoy this one on Saturday. Uh, Cardinals need to win. If they can win, they're in. And so that, that would make it all the more special between Wainwright and Molina if they can get this going. Offense needs to support Wainwright today. Wainwright needs to pitch his game, and the Cardinals could be looking at the postseason. But um, we'll certainly be sitting back and watching to see what happens. And then we're going to talk it over tomorrow morning on Sunday, either 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 direction this thing might go, as we could be talking about Cardinals clinching and, and looking at scenarios, or we could be talking about Cardinals needing a win on Sunday to guarantee their berth into the postseason. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. Spotify, you probably have access to that. Apple Podcasts if you're an iPhoneer. Google Podcasts, it's another way to listen to Be Shaped Daily. Subscribe to the show. Uh, rate and review, too, I guess, is something you can do on there. I've seen on Apple Podcasts, sometimes people have left some reviews. Uh, I'm, I'm down with that. It's not really something I've brought up before, but I uh, would love to have you give us give us nice reviews if you like us. I guess you could give us bad reviews if you don't, um, but make some comments, whatever. Also, go ahead and uh, leave me a voice message, too, so you can be part of the show. Somebody did this a couple days ago, but it was for fantasy football, and so I'm going to put that into a different podcast. But if you've got Cardinals thoughts as we're coming down the stretch here, anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message. Leave me a voicemail, and I'll play it on the show. Talk about it. It's another option for you. And then give me a follow on the socials at bshafer12, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. As we roll on here toward the postseason for St. Louis, and then we'll have the off season. We'll talk about the off season, and uh, I don't know, I don't know what to expect in the off season, but you know we'll be here for it. So thank you guys once again for joining in on the show. Really do appreciate you listening when you do. We're gonna wrap things up here for this episode of B Shafe Daily, and after potentially Cardinals birth into the postseason, if they get it done on Saturday, we will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>